When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slips a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Kelly Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time to get to know your foe. Week number one, the New York Jets, the Carolina Panthers. We all know what this is about. It's the Sam Darnold revenge game. But of course, if you're a Jets fan, you're hoping he doesn't actually get that revenge. So to break down the Carolina Panthers, we bring in our old friend who is the host of the C3 Panthers podcast, Mr. Tony Dunn. Tony, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for coming on. Man, I'm glad to be here. Excited about week one of football uh, coming up is that we've been... um waiting for this moment for a long time it feels like and it's almost here no no question i have been chomping at the bit and i know you have as well for some actual regular season action and it's right around the corner now and we're gonna get a chance to see the new kid in town zach wilson going up against the man that he's replaced and that is of course sam Darnold, traded to the carolina panthers before the draft so i want to ask you tony what is the vibe like around sam Darnold right now because my understanding is that there hasn't been a lot of information leaking out of training camp. And as far as Darnold playing in the preseason, he played a little bit, a couple of quarters, but he didn't get a ton of action in the preseason. What's going on there so far? Yeah, I think the idea, Scott, is that uh, Sam Darnold is, is the starter uh, no matter what, no matter what happens in the preseason or in camp or they're just uh we knew this was is part of the plan right is that they went out and traded for him they passed on justin fields in the draft and um and the backup quarterback situation is there's nobody really threatening um to supersede sam Darnold by any means but you know the the matt rule attitude about this training camp has been to not be too high or too low on anything and particularly too high on anything so every time even a guy plays a good game or has a good practice 
it's still tempered with the idea of, you know, more work to be done, more work to be done. Uh, and there's been a really a big a giant team vibe when it comes to this. And that has taken a lot of the pressure off of Sam Darnold, I feel like, throughout this training camp. Um, even at one point when uh, early, when we were starting to get, I think it was around OTAs or right when training camps were uh, coming about and they were putting out the COVID protocols, um, Sam Darnold and Christian McCaffrey were immediately asked if they were going to get vaccinated. And both uh, kind of skirted the question saying, you know, they got to get information. There's a person, you know, they haven't, you know, they weren't very public with what they were doing yet. And then some of the beat reporters, uh, one, of, one of the more controversial with a guy that likes to, you know, kind of pound these kind of radical questions almost said, well, how do you feel about uh, you trying to be a leader on this team and maybe not getting vaccinated? And, you know, I mean, uh, Sam Darnold did a good job with the question. And then, but they asked it to Matt Rule later. And Matt Rule said, uh, We don't need Sam Darnold to be a leader on this team. We got plenty of guys right now that have been here and are vocal. What we just want him to do is come in and play quarterback right now. And so I think they've been just trying to take the pressure off of Sam Darnold. Um, and it's it's been pretty easy for him, man. He's got a lot of weapons around him. He's got uh, Robbie Anderson back on a two year extension now. So. You know, I think it's just kind of wait and see mode. It's a mystery, and everything rides and dies with the quarterback in the NFL. In this case, Sam Darnold's storyline is going to determine the Panthers' storyline in many ways. Tony, last year, both DJ Moore and the aforementioned Robbie Anderson went for over 1,000 yards receiving. That was with Teddy Bridgewater, who I know you were a huge fan of at quarterback. Oh, yeah. Darnold now comes in. Any sense of what this offense is going to look like? Because obviously Joe Brady is going to have to change it up because Sam Darnold is a much different quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. You've got Terrace Marshall Jr. now coming in as a rookie to replace what they lost when Curtis Samuel went out the door to Washington. Tell me a little bit about what you expect this passing game to look like now. Plus, also, of course, Christian McCaffrey, and we'll get to him with the running game in a second, but he's obviously an integral part of the passing game as well. Any idea how these pieces are going to fit and what Joe Brady is going to try to do? Have we gotten any clear vision from what's happened in both the preseason and training camp? I don't know if I would say a clear vision because, right, is that um... – you know, it's kind of, again, is that there's been a lot of mystery around the Panthers training camp and um, I won't say disguise, but even last year with Joe Brady's offense, it was very vanilla throughout the preseason like it should be. And it almost got, it just became more developed, like he was installing things in the first couple of weeks. Uh, so you were seeing new looks every couple of weeks and it you know, got more complex as the year went on. But he was limited last year um, by his quarterback and the inability to throw the ball, push the ball downfield at all. Right? And, and if you want to argue about the inability, then we can at least uh, all agree about the unwillingness of Teddy Bridgewater to push the ball down the field, even when guys are open. And uh, so I think right now we're, we're hoping um, that what we expected of the Joe Brady offense in year one actually comes more into fruition. I think this coaching staff knew that they had to make some changes about that, and Darnold gives them the potential to attack downfield. Look, think about this is that uh, Robbie Anderson had 1,000 yards last year as a possession receiver. When, you, uh, when, when Robbie Anderson came to the Carolina Panthers, I didn't think he was going to make his money and get this two-year extension by running seven-yard routes. Mm-hmm. 
right? <laughs> uh, and piling up eight, nine catches a game. You know, you were hoping for those uh, five catches, two touchdowns, and 140-yard games or something like that. Um, but Robbie Anderson earned that paycheck as being a, a possession receiver last year. So I think this is you add Ter- Terrace Marshall Jr. Uh, adds a, a really nice component to this offense. He has excelled in the preseason. I think he has like the second most like, um, I guess, average on catches or something like this. I mean, he's had two catches that have been over like 60 yards right? Um, in, two, in his first two preseason games. So I think that having him as a as a weapon, as a big, I mean, he's got these strong hands. He goes and high points the ball. I think it's going to give him more red zone you know, potential. So I just think, I hope it's going to be a more explosive offense. But Scott, I think the problem with the Carolina Panthers last year was their inability to get in the, the end zone. And that has been problematic for them throughout this preseason so far. Do you think that the return of Christian McCaffrey will help matters? I mean, I can't imagine that it wouldn't, at least to some degree. He comes back, one of the most dynamic weapons in all of football, and now we'll finally get to see how Joe Brady is going to use him. Any idea exactly what kind of plan Brady has? Because as you said, they've been kind of guarded. They haven't really shown you much in the preseason, and there hasn't been a ton that has leaked out of training camp in terms of, what their overall plans are going to be. But you have to figure that with Darnold as somebody who has turned the ball over a lot in his career and with McCaffrey there as this sure weapon, they're going to lean on McCaffrey a lot. What's your sense there? What are we looking at this Sunday in terms of usage for McCaffrey and how he's going to be deployed? Well, you know, is I think it's kind of a, when it comes to Christian McCaffrey is that you're going to lean on him no matter who the quarterback is. Right. I mean, he is such a fantastic weapon. And it's really been actually a kind of a challenge to the coaching staff throughout Christian McCaffrey's career is actually how to not give it to him too much. <laughs> and the idea is this is that, like, why wouldn't you give the ball to your best player and, and, and arguably one of the best players in all of football as much as you can? And so, I mean, even the past uh, offensive coordinators have had difficulty kind of, I guess, getting a rotation of running backs, right? Um, and instead, it's just like, man, Christian McCaffrey's in good enough shape. He can, and he's a, such a great player. It's like, let him play every dang down. And so last year, we didn't get to see how Joe Brady was going to ultimately deal with that. It's like, a, it's almost this kind of like allure of, of having Christian McCaffrey there. And you're like, why wouldn't you give him the ball every play? But last year, he did suffer the injuries. But even the games where he came back, he still played a ton of snaps. And again, we were feeding the offense through him uh, in in those games. So look, if, if Christian McCaffrey isn't uh, the guy that you try to stop first, then I think you'd be foolish, right? But at the same time, there is a um, there's a Sam Darnold and the optimism surrounding the Carolina Panthers and the Sam Darnold pick. And the question is, if Sam Darnold is a reclamation project or is he going to be what we saw in New York and the optimism surrounding uh, Sam Darnold is, is the weapons he's got around him. DJ Moore. Uh, I mean, DJ Moore's 24 years old. He's had three uh, one consecutive 1000 yard seasons with five different quarterbacks. Um, D, uh, Robbie Anderson, big contributor, Terrace Marshall Jr. Then you add in Christian McCaffrey, who is going to be the heart and soul of that offense. And then I think a lot of people are also kind of interested in Dan Arnold's addition as a tight end receiving threat. 
Uh, so we expect this uh, offense to be a high-powered, explosive offense. But again, that comes back to the consistency of play that Sam Darnold will bring. And a big part of determining Sam Darnold's level of play is obviously going to be the offensive line. Because if they can protect Darnold, and if they can open up holes for McCaffrey to make things easier for Darnold in the passing game, that's going to carve a path for the Panthers that may be very difficult for the Jets to stop. Talk to me a little bit about this offensive line. I know they tinkered with it a little in the offseason. They struggled at times last year. What are we looking at as we head into Sunday, week one, with this offensive line? You're looking at the Achilles heel of every mediocre and bad football team, right? Mm -hmm. And I I would assume that Jets fans understand that, (laughs) right? (laughs) Is that um, off? And and you're right, is that look, is the success of other guys is so dependent, particularly Sam Darnold on on that offensive line. And some mystery here, uh, Scott, because there's a. There, there's no really there's only one very good player on the offensive line and, and that's Taylor Moten who we mm-hmm. just extended uh, for four or five four years um, we, we originally franchise tagged him Matt Paradis is our center who is um, who played better last year the year before his first year with the Panthers still recovering from like a, a leg injury that he had in Denver but the other guys man 100% um, I would say unknowns is that they are uh, our starting line is um, kind of journeyman hopefuls, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those that your your listeners will be uh, familiar with, Pat Fline, um, and I believe that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be starting at left guard, and Cam Irving, who is a journeyman himself, drafted by the Cleveland Browns, then moved to the Kansas City Chiefs for two years, and then one year with Dallas. Um, and none of these guys are great, right? So Taylor Moten is the only guy that's really good. And then, um, so the other guys that we're trying to, that we see some potential in, we're hoping that these veterans, I think, I think the plan is this, is that Cam Irvin, Pat Fline, that these guys are going to, you know, that they're pros, they've been in the league, you know, they're going to be the day one starters. And if this, if, if somebody gets hurt or if they're not playing well, then we've got some guys that we think there's some real potential in, some rookies, uh, Brady Christensen um, uh, out of BYU, as well as uh, DeAndre Brown, I think it is. He looks, I think he's from Alabama, and he looks like he's just a big giant man. So there's a lot of people. There's some, there's some potential in the in the immediate, like the second line, but nobody's great, Scott. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody's hoping that this line outperforms expectations, and that would be being average. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Tony, what about the defensive line? I know they added Derek Brown last year in the draft, and he played very well as a rookie. You have to figure that he'll make a jump in year number two. How do you envision this front seven really trying to attack the Jets? Talking, of course, about the linebackers and the defensive linemen. I know that they also took Yutur Gross Matos last year. 
Brian Burns has been very effective as an edge rusher his first two years, perhaps a breakout on the horizon for him in year number three. What do you think is going to happen here? How are they going to be used, not only against the Jets, but really just in general by Phil Snow? This is where I get excited, Scott, is that this Panthers team, this defense uh, could um, be a dark horse, one of the best defense defenses in the league. Uh, now, I mean, that all is predicated on people not getting hurt. Mm-hmm. But uh, last year in the um, in the Panthers draft, we're only, I think, the second team in like the common era of football to do this or something. We took all defensive players in the draft. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we started four rookies on defense last year. Derek Brown being one of them. Um, so what we did is, and, and Jeremy Chen, who should have been defensive right. rookie of the year last year as well. Uh, this team was, uh, kind of that have been for so long have been built on a defensive style, right. And predicated on at least having a very strong defense under run Rivera going back to 2013, we had 60 sacks one year, uh, 2015 defense, just really nice. You know what I mean? Like it was always a strong core. At the same time that he's retiring, those two years um, before that, we got old very quickly. And the Panthers did like a radical surgery or rehaul last year and got young. We're like, I think the average age on our team is 26. This defense is very young. But I tell you, it's going to be, you better watch out, folks, because the addition of Hassan Reddick uh, reunited with his former coach, Matt Rule, his former coach, and Phil Snow. I think they're going to be very understanding of how to use Reddick, who has already had an interception in the preseason. Um, it's like a couple of tackles for loss. But then you put him on the other side of Brian Burns, who is about to be uh-huh. uh, a household name after this year. Brian Burns is going to eat, man. And they're going to eat because now you got uh, Derek Brown, who is a mean, mean man up the middle. I think that uh, this defense is the defensive front is going to be fast and problematic for a lot of teams. And then you can rotate a lot of guys in there. We brought in Morgan Fox, who had six or eight sacks last year with the Rams. Um, like you said, YGM, your term, Gross Matos, is, um, is, you know, he's been trying to elevate his game. I mean, there's just name after name, one of them being, and one of the interesting names from this preseason, a former. Jet Frank Louvu. Frankie Louvu, yep. <laughs> this guy has been balling out, man. I mean, he's just uh, been playing crazy lights out. And so uh, all of a sudden we had that potential there, Scott, but then we drafted J.C. Horn, who looks every bit of the part of a shutdown corner. I mean, this guy's got the pedigree of a, you know, his dad's Joe Horn. His feet are like Christian McCaffrey feet. They're fast. He's big. And I think that you add that, now you uh, you get that real presence on the outside. A lot of people have been talking him up. Steve Smith said he's the best corner he's seen in a Panthers jersey since Chris Gamble. And we haven't had a lot since Chris Gamble. But um, I think that this defense could be a very exciting defense if they can stay healthy. Because after, the problem is with our team is that the drop from the starters to the backups if you're really trying to plug in a lot of backups because of injury it's gonna you're gonna see a real difference and i tell you uh, the my favorite coach on this coaching staff is phil snow i think he's the best coach on this staff and that defense got better from week to week to week last year scott with no with very little 
this year, I think I think the defense is going to just continue to improve and get better and better and be a great, you know, a pleasant surprise when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. Much improved offensive weapons around Zach Wilson as opposed to what they had with Sam Darnold. Corey Davis comes in as a free agent. Denzel Mims going into his second year now. Elijah Moore in the second round. Plus, of course, you've still got Jamison Crowder hanging around. Keelan Cole is here. So there are some real offensive threats to deal with. The running game, it's been interesting in the preseason and in training camp. Ty Johnson, Michael Carter, the rookie out of North Carolina, Tevin Coleman, even a little bit of LaMichael P. Ryan and then Josh Adams. So they've been mixing it up, keeping guys fresh. And the offensive line, Makai Becton comes back. He struggled a little bit in training camp, but we know what he is. He's a big, giant monster. They brought in Morgan Moses from Washington. They drafted Elijah Vera Tucker, so some improvements were made. I would have to imagine that they're going to be aggressive, the Carolina Panthers, on defense here. As you said, deploy Brian Burns as that rusher off the edge and use Derek Brown to take up two blockers and then you've got JC Horn back there and you've got the aforementioned Jeremy Chin who as you said was one of the best rookies in the league last year so I think it'll be fascinating to see how Phil Snow uses these chess pieces against the Jets on Sunday but there are some really interesting matchups that we're going to see get ready for the safety blitz that's what he loves to do mm -hmm. he loves to send the safety to go after Zach Wilson so if you ain't paying attention, that's going to happen this week. I'm so excited about this game, Scott, because, I mean, this, I think, shows you the – you know, I don't want to over-congratulate the NFL on anything because it seems like they can backwards – they're almost – they backwards stumble into success half the time. <laughs> um, but the, the scheduling of this game in week one is the only time this game is exciting this year, right? I mean, if this game was played in week seven, we would already have – Sam Darnold – Wilson, whether this was good, the bad, we already have feelings about uh, what the Panthers are, what the Jets are. And regardless of the head-to-head -head matchup of this kind of revenge game, it wouldn't be meaningless by that point. But in week one, where you guys get the second pick of the draft, Zach Wilson, and you determine to replace, you know, the former highly drafted Sam Darnold, ship him out. It is the perfect time for these storylines to collide, right? And Rob, Robbie Anderson coming back. I mean, there's so, there's so uh, we're not coming back. Is that is it? Um, but you think you get the Matt Rule connections? I think it just matters a lot more in Week One than it would in Week Ten. Tony, I want to talk about the coaching staff because we talked a little bit about Matt Rule, Joe Brady, and your guy Phil Snow. Give us an overview of what that coaching staff was like last year in their first year together. And what you expect from them this year in year number two with upgrades at a variety of different positions? Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Is that look as I um, was uh, I was very complimentary of this staff last year. Uh, I think that they came in um, again. It was like, look, is that you have a, a head coach in Matt Rule who's trying to transition from college to the NFL. We know the challenges that coaches uh, have faced in the past. Uh, in doing that, uh, you have Joe Brady, who is coming off a historic year with LSU, but also has limited experience as being the guy that's organizing everything. And Panther fans have tried to tell me how big of a, a role he had at LSU, and he's this passing coordinator and this and that. But he's not, he didn't have, he wasn't driving the car. 
uh, entirely on his own, right? I mean, he still had his uh, learner's permit. And, you know, he had to take over an offense. Uh, I mean, he was going to own this offense himself. So I think that um, – and then you throw onto this, it was a COVID year, and there's no preseason, there's no training camp. I thought they did a fabulous job last year by just getting better each each week. I think the other thing that I was impressed by this staff in their first year was that they just didn't look at, over their head. Uh, at any, like, we just didn't look disorganized to the point where it looked absurd. And, I mean, were there mistakes? Were there times like, hey, you should have called a timeout before the two-minute warning, right? We differ, we differ on that. Or, or you know, um, I mean, there were some things like we weren't perfect. Joe Brady didn't put together this super explosive offense because it, it just didn't put up a lot of points. So everything didn't go. It wasn't just a hot start. But each week we got better, right? Each week we got better. I think they were learning on the job. This year uh, there's more preparation. Uh, and you really expect that now the expectations, I think, um, are going to be higher. And that is that it should just look better. Um, and there's no excuses at this point. Uh, but, but again, we don't know. We don't know. We don't really know. So we've had one year. Matt Rule did pretty well. But, um, you know, there's been some questions about the quarterback issues. They can't they get rid of Cam. They brought in Teddy. It didn't work. They get rid of Teddy. They bring in Sam Darnold. If Sam Darnold works, uh, then that means this staff is doing a good job. If Sam Darnold fails this year, I think that, like, hey, year three is going to be um, a really defining year of Matt Rule's kind of tenure for Carolina. Tony, final question. What's your prediction for Sunday? Do you think the Panthers are going to be able to pull this one out? Yeah, I do think so. Um, I I, uh, I do think so. I think this is that, um, I, you know, the, the Jets, are. you guys are getting a first-year head coach as well. I mean, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of newness for you guys as well. I think that the Panthers um, have enough offensive weapons. Again, it's going to live and die on Sam Darnold uh, because there's no excuses. Is that when you got Christian McCaffrey, when you got – uh, some of these playmakers on the outside, I, I think you, they have the potential to be very good. I think our defense is pretty solid too. So right now I just kind of put my money on um, or I kind of against rookie quarterback, uh, rookie coach taking over a team that was I had a lot of struggles last year. Um, so I don't think we should be underestimating the Jets. I don't think it'll be a cakewalk. I think they're kind of very evenly matched in a way. And you know what I'm saying is that this is should be a close game to not where one team dominates the other. But, yeah, right now, I mean, I've got to have those rose-colored glasses on when it comes to Carolina. <laughs> I have no reason not to think that they should win, right? Sure, especially being at home. Why not? Tony Dunn, yeah. who is the host of the C3 Panthers podcast, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge of the Panthers with me. Really appreciate it. Glad to get some insight into the team that the Jets are playing this Sunday in their opening game. This one will be in Carolina. As I said, the big story here is Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson. But realistically, this is going to be a big one for both teams because week one is huge for the Jets. If they win this one, they come home and they play the Patriots in week number two. If you'll recall, Mark Sanchez in 2009 got a big win on the road against the Houston Texans week number one, came home in week number two and was able to beat the New England Patriots. So perhaps Zach Wilson can be headed down that path if 
he's able to find a way to get past the Panthers. But as you've outlined, Tony, the Jets are in for one heck of a challenge this Sunday. I can't wait to watch it. Thank you so much for coming on, Tony. It's always a blast talking to you. For anybody that wants to check out what you guys are doing over on the C3 Panthers podcast, how can they check out your material and how can they interact with you on social media? Yeah, I want to actually invite all the listeners. If uh, if you guys win, you can come and gloat a little bit on the post game show. We do a post game show immediately after the game that's uh, live on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope. You can call into the show. So you check out our YouTube page. So just YouTube C three Panthers podcast, and uh, it'll come right up. And the post game will be live. So check that out. If you if you get an opportunity, I know you guys probably got a, the fans got their own post games. They're going to be a part of, but. If you want to gloat or come over and, and get a little razzing after the game, you can join us there. You can follow me on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. And uh, like you said, like we're on all the podcasting outlets, just check it out. And uh, all we ask is everybody just come in and have a good time and uh, give a thumbs up and a share and we can all help each other grow. Absolutely. Go check out what Tony and the boys are doing over on the C3 Panthers podcast. Follow them on Twitter as well. And check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Fantastic videos up there. A lot of film breakdowns by Luke Grant. Commentaries by Kayla Pace, Pace's playbook. So check them out right now and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. And give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'll be quite grateful. For the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.